You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the very first Big Blue View Roundtable podcast. We're at the fourth game of the season so far. Giants sitting at a very not-so-good 0-4 record, a a, a spot where we may not have expected them to do so, but they've had to face four very underrated and quality teams in the NFL so far, most recently falling to the Los Angeles Rams by a score of 17-19. So now being the perfect time to talk it out with multiple members of the BBV staff. I'm Joe DeLeon. Chris Flum is joining me as well as Nick Filato, And then also, of course, Ed Valentine. Guys, let's get into the, the, the big question points here that we want to cover. Right now, the Giants have only three offensive touchdowns in four games. And that is something that I don't think any of us expected would happen. What do we think is holding them back right now? And Ed, why don't we go to you first? Well, listen, Joey, when you start with the Giants offense, you know, first thing I want to talk about is the 0-4 start. I think that we all have to understand that this was always going to be a possibility considering the schedule the Giants faced, the obstacles they faced in getting ready. But when when you talk about this Giants offense, it was never going to be a juggernaut in 2020. It was never going to be Kansas City. It was never going to be San Francisco. It was never going to be the Rams. You have a second-year quarterback. You have an offensive line that's still trying to figure it out. You have Saquon Barkley on crutches. You don't have Sterling Shepard. You're throwing the ball to Damian Ratley and C.J. Board, and you're handing the ball to Wayne Gallman and Devonta Freeman. I mean, you're not going to put up 30 points a game. I mean, that said, we we can all argue about Jason Garrett's play calling. Is it too vanilla? Is it too boring? Is there not enough motion? Is there not enough creativity? I think we can argue about all of those things, but I think... I think we all need to, to just sort of adjust our expectations a little bit and, and realize what the Giants are, are dealing with here What and the deck that they have. It's it's not a stacked deck like, you know, like some other teams around the league. And, I mean, it all comes down – it still all comes down to Daniel Jones and his development. But I think we just need to, to adjust our expectations with, with, uh, with this offense a little bit. Absolutely, Ed. I mean, when you look at the Giants offense, too, you have this young offensive line. And just in last game alone, they gave up 19 pressures on Daniel Jones, who 
to me, it looked like the Rams game was one of his worst games in terms of internal clock, in terms of locking on to receivers. And those are all things that I hope will be corrected. And I'm not out on Daniel Jones by any stretch of the imagination, but what he's working with is not good. And I, I think you can knock Jason Garrett a little bit, but execution also has to be there. There were several play calls that were good play calls against the defense that the Rams showed where blocks were missed, where routes weren't run as crisp as they probably could have. Daniel Jones missed a couple throws as well. So I think the execution is also a big problem with this offense that's leading to the fact that they just cannot put any points on the board. They have to kind of bear a lot of that blame as well. Yeah, you know, I think it's probably easier to list the things helping them forward than holding them back because they don't really have too much to really count on as an offense. Like you said, like everybody said, they, they have a second-year quarterback who's played, what, 16 games so far. Uh, their execution has been, uh, we'll say, lacking. They're trying to rebuild an offensive line on a fly in a year where they don't don't have a normal offseason, don't have a normal training camp, don't have a preseason. they got a whole new offense, whole new language, whole new coaching staff for the most part. And then you know, they're trying to call plays to a an offensive personnel group that is just lacking. And honestly, they were lacking even before the injuries to Barkley and Shepard. The Giants don't have a number one receiver. Uh, I know there was a lot of optimism about Darius Slayton. Uh, All along, I kind of said I I didn't want to put that mantle on him, that I figured the Giants were doing well if he turned into Miles Austin. But, you know, they don't have a new Hopkins or, well, Julio Jones is, isn't having his normal season. An ex receiver like that, an Amari Cooper, uh, a Juju Smith Schuster. They don't have that one guy who can command a defense's attention and open things up for the rest of the offense. And it, this is something Ed and I have talked about. You know, Saquon Barkley is a difference maker at running back. You know, granted, he is hurt right now, he is not a factor right now, but the team is offensively built around a feast or famine running back. And that's a tough way to win. You know, all of those things said, you can, and I I know Jason Garrett gets killed. And I think everybody kind of came into the whole Jason Garrett thing, you know, with their finger already on the trigger waiting to kill Garrett. But I look at it like this. You didn't have an offseason. You had the shortened preseason training and training camp, all of that. You have to walk you, or you have to you have to crawl before you can walk and you have to walk before you can run. People looking at the San Francisco 49ers and saying, oh, you can scheme really good offense without tremendous talent. The same maybe with the with the Rams. You know, you're right. You can. But how many years has Sean McVay been in L.A. now? How many years has has Kyle Shanahan been with this San Francisco 49ers team? You have to start someplace. And I I just keep thinking about, you know, Joe Judge saying it's not about where you are. It's where you're going. It hasn't been fun through four games. But I still I still think you have to wait. I still think. You let's see where they are week 16, week 17. Let's see how much Andrew Thomas develops. Let's see how Nick Gates, 
you know, settles in at center. Let's see how well Jason Garrett figures out how to use the weapons he's got. He's trying to figure, you know, he thought he was going to be handing the ball to Saquon Barkley. He's handing it to Devonta Freeman, who just got here. So I still think it's a work in progress that, you know, right now the results obviously haven't been good, you know, but I'm not, I'm not out on this. I'm not saying that just looking at it and saying there's no way it's going to work. And as for the, uh, as for the motion, I know a lot of people are knocking because there's not a lot of pre-snap motion. That takes a lot of live reps to kind of establish that. It takes a lot of practice time, and the Giants do not have that. Also, Jason Garrett has kind of been employing some different type of tempos, which is also probably going to force your offense to not use as much pre-snap motion. There's a reason why this looks as vanilla as it does. It's, it's difficult to kind of have that continuity, to have the motion. I mean, even when you motion, that's going to force defenses to shift, which is going to change block blocking angles from the offensive line and from the tight ends and things like that. And this offensive line and the blocking and the protection isn't quite there yet to maybe compensate for that. So I believe that's something else we have to consider. I think we're all on the same page here with how this offense looks and how it's currently operating. I think that the, the simplest way to just put it and to wrap up the, the the way this offense has been performing. I think we can all agree after the draft and after free agency, we weren't expecting this to be a top 10 personnel type group on offense. They don't have ex- immensely talented players at multiple position groups. There's a lot of holes. And Ed, you pointed out it's Damian Ratley and CJ Board right now out there at receiver. Saquon Barkley isn't on the field. It was the perfect storm really for them to fall fat, fall, fall flat on their face and not do well in these first four games. Now, I don't think we expected them to only have three touchdowns in this four-game span, but you have to understand it's going to take some time for them to figure things out with a, a, a very odd preseason that doesn't have proper practice time as a normal preseason and training camp, and then also none of those preseason games. It's going to be a little bit before they actually can establish some consistency and get where maybe Jason Garrett and Joe Judge were expecting them to be. So against the Los Angeles Rams, defensively, this team looked completely different than they did against the 49ers. They held a Rams offense that is statistically one of the best in the league in in really relative check they slowed down the rushing attack and they almost completely kept them from scoring a, a, a decent offensive output do we think that that defensive performance is something that we can expect to continually happen maybe not on a, on a weekly basis but happen a couple more times the rest of the season or could that have been just a fluke and an off day because Sean McVay was not having a good day calling plays I personally think it's something that can definitely be built upon. I think a big reason why was because Devontae Downs only played four snaps. Isaac Yadam <laughs> only played 15 snaps. I think, and Nate Ebner didn't play any. <laughs> and Nate Ebner didn't play any on defense. And I, do, and I think that is huge because I think this defense has a lot of solid building blocks. I think they have a lot of solid to good players, but the players that are liabilities are gigantic liabilities and we saw it on the first drive from the rams with Devonte downs missing that tackle in the flat luckily patrick graham said okay t- take a seat just take a seat and then Tay crowder was out there and Tay crowder almost came up with that interception he played relatively well especially for a seventh round rookie mr irrelevant and then ryan lewis came in there and he gave up a couple catches which is fine but he also was pretty 
solid in coverage on a lot of different routes against guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So I was really intrigued to see those two players kind of come in and help elevate this defense as a whole. And especially when you look at two of the the offseason acquisitions, Blake Martinez and James Bradbury have been very, very solid. I think Logan Ryan has been pretty solid as well for this defense. So I think they actually could do that. It's just you have to mitigate those broken plays. That's James Betcher type of defensive stuff. And we saw the broken play. We saw the miscommunication. We can't have those types of things. So if the Giants can really mitigate those, I think this defense can at least be better than what we expected, especially for through the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. And I think part of it, as you said, was the, the Giants keeping their worst pieces off of the field and the pieces that were on the field playing solid for the most part, executing well. But I think the other part of it is the Rams did kind of play to the Giants' strengths. Uh, I know I've mentioned this to pretty much everybody at this point, but the offense the Rams were running for most of that game was not the same offense I saw on tape. Yeah, I don't know if they were playing down to the Giants, if McVay got cocky and figured he could beat the Giants with basically a preseason offense, but you know, there were plays where the Rams were running up in... 21 personnel and playing power O. That's something they did literally zero snaps of the first three games. And that's something that really does play to the Giants' strengths, which is up the middle with those big defensive tackles with Blake Martinez playing downfield, playing downhill. So I think as long as the Giants can get that kind of a matchup, this was a performance they can build upon. Yeah, you know, they still have answers to find. They need to find a really consistent pass rush, which they might not be able to find with this personnel grouping. Although I've, you know, I have been uh, impressed with Kyler Fackrell, you know, within the role he has played. And you know, I am well known as Dalvin Tomlins' biggest fan. He has shown me some things working into the backfield. Uh, Leonard Williams has been in the backfield. Dexter Lawrence has been in the backfield. Austin Johnson had himself a from the snaps he had, I think it was only like 12 or 14, he flashed quite a bit. It's 13. So, 13, right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, he had himself some nice plays. So the Giants do have the pieces to build off of this as long as they can get the right matchups. You know, Chris, Chris, you, you hit on it, I think. There are pieces on this defense. There are players to feel good about. Bradbury, Martinez, Darnay Holmes as he develops. Uh, you know, Logan Ryan is a good player. This defensive line may not be dynamic in terms of its pass rush, but this front seven actually is pretty good. There are, as we found out, the second cornerback has been a weakness. Um, you know, there have been some mistakes at the, you know, at the free safety spot. Devontae Downs is, is a disaster. Um, but I think that what we're finding is, again, this is a new coaching staff, new defensive coordinator, new players. They are working their way through. They have a weakness at the second linebacker spot. They're working their way through some personnel trying to figure that out. I think we're going to see more and more of Tay Crowder and less and less of Devontae Downs. We're on our third different player at that second cornerback spot. I think maybe Ryan Lewis looks like he might be able to grab that job and, and, and hold on to it for the rest of the year. There are pieces to work with here. There isn't that one or two dynamic, tremendous, 
you know, bail everybody out, you know, kind of pass rusher or, or guy in the back of the defense. There isn't that game changer on this defense, but there's enough pieces. And interestingly, everybody kills Jason Garrett for the the vanilla nature of his offense. You can't do that with Patrick Graham. We're seeing a lot of combinations. We're seeing a lot of different things, a lot of different packages. We're seeing all kinds of creativity from Patrick Graham. I don't think the Giants are going to go and, and shut down every single offense the rest of the season. I mean, this coming week, you've got Dallas, which has been putting up a gazillion yards a game and, and still managing to find ways to lose. But but I think there's optimism that this defense is pointed in the right direction and that they can play pretty well you know, most of the time, I think, going forward. And honestly, I, I said this after the in the post game show that I did with Chris. I, I think that in general that this defense deserves more credit for its quality of play, and also I think Patrick Graham deserves more credit for what he does as a defensive coordinator. But what has been killing them, and it's what all three of you guys have said so far, is that there's just a lack of depth. So when you have to go down your your depth chart and put out some guys for various packages or if somebody has to sub out because they they were slow to get up when you have to put players out there that aren't very good that is what's led to all these these broken plays all these issues Devonte Downs we've officially established that he does not belong out there on the field as a starting inside linebacker it should be Tay Crowder going forward and all of these young pieces that they have are, are showing flashes of what they can possibly be they just need to keep getting reps I, I think that like all of you guys have said I don't think that this is going to be a defense that will have a, a, a number of lights out performances and completely shut down offenses the remainder of the year. But I would expect them to have some good games that, that we're going to be talking highly of them, unlike we were doing um, last season. So we've got one more talking point that we want to address as the Giants currently sit with the first overall pick at 0-4, competing with a number of other teams. Before we get to that, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right now, the Giants at 0-4 sit with the first overall pick in this upcoming draft now, that is obviously only after four games, so literally anything can happen and change in that time span. But the conversation has to be started now because people are already talking about it. If the Giants are in that first overall pick spot, do they pass up on drafting a generational-type quarterback talent like Trevor Lawrence? There's a lot of people that are adamant about saying if you're in that spot, you can't pass up on it no matter who your quarterback is. If you're drafting first overall, you have to make that pick. Others, I think, would agree it's probably better to try and find a way to trade back out, get some more draft picks, and build around Daniel Jones, or if, for the case of the Jets, build around Sam Darnold. Where do you guys sit on this? Do you think it's a little crazy to bring up the Giants possibly drafting Trevor Lawrence? I think that if 
if you're talking about the number one overall pick and you're talking about Trevor Lawrence, I think you're in a situation where, where, first of all, the Giants obviously don't want to be there. The ideal thing would be for for the Giants to play well enough that they could perhaps capitalize on having an early pick, you know, by by trading out and getting some some assets. But I think two things are at play. If if you go zero and sixteen and you're that bad. I've always said that that part of the thing about this season is finding out if Daniel Jones is going to take the steps forward to prove to you that he's that he's your quarterback of the future. If you go 0 and 16 and Daniel Jones continues to make the mistakes that he's making, he's showing you that he's not that guy and you almost have to go ahead and pick Trevor Lawrence and start over again. You just can't, you know, if you've gotten to that point, you you pretty much can't say, um, oh, we're, we're going to just continue down this road and continue, you know, do what the Bears have done and, and sort of knock their heads against the wall with Mitch Trubisky. Admit your mistake and start over. For me, and I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit long-winded, I know, for me, the more interesting situation is, what happens if you're two or three or four and you're talking about Justin Fields and Trey Lance? Do you then try to package those picks and move down, you know, and, and get a, a haul of picks? Because, you know, you guys know these guys a little bit better than I do. But for me, the guarantee is Trevor Lawrence, or the the closest thing to a guarantee is Trevor Lawrence, and and you're kind of rolling the dice with the other two guys. But I I, I think for me, if you're if you're zero and sixteen, you start over. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with Ed. I mean, if you're that bad, you're going to have to start over at that point. And I haven't done extensive evaluations on Fields or Trey Lance. I don't really know their skill sets all that well as of right now, but I think all things are on the table if the Giants are picking that high once again. If they, they have to explore all options, if you could trade back, you got to look at that as a possibility. And I know Dave Gettleman has literally never done that before with the first round pick. <laughs> so I just hope that uh, the Giants do do their due diligence hey, and execute. Hey, Nick, I don't want to dominate this part, but the, but the other part of that conversation, and people kill me about Dave Gettleman, but if the Giants are 0-16 and considering picking another quarterback, let me just say that Dave Gettleman can't be the general manager making that pick. No, he won't either. At that point, in my opinion at least, he will quote-unquote retire and somebody else would step in. Yeah, that's just what would absolutely happen. And I'm not even sure it would be an 0 and 16. If they're 2 and 14, mm-hmm. maybe even 4 and 12 again. And I, I don't think any of those records is really out of the question right now. But bringing up Trevor Lawrence, that, you know, speaking of Dave Gettleman, one of his first press conferences pre draft back in 2018, he talked about quarterback hell. And I think the Giants need to figure out sooner rather than later, as soon as possible, whether or not they could find themselves in quarterback hell, whether or not Daniel Jones can be the guy going forward. And I mean, an honest evaluation, not just looking at it as, you know, hopefully, maybe, you know, he made a few, he made some splash plays, some highlight real plays here or there, but the 
down-to-down, snap-to-snap consistency isn't there. There's too many liability plays. The Arizona Cardinals, I think, are the best example right now. Everybody was high on Josh Rosen coming out. Yeah, He had that picture-perfect throwing motion, but once he got into the NFL, it, it just wasn't there. And granted, they had the big shift in head coach. They moved on to a to, to Cliff Kingsbury after one year, and he brought with him a completely different philosophy on football, one that just happened to fit Kyler Murray you know, hand in glove. And he has really exploded onto the scene over the last year. But that kind of fearlessness to admit your mistake, not get caught in you know, the sunk cost fallacy, not get blinded by your own confirmation biases. That honesty I, is, I think, something the Giants really need if they're drafting in the top five, period. I think, you know, the thing that I have always said about the 2020 season is I don't care what the record is. I don't care if it's three and thirteen. I don't care if it's five and eleven. I don't care if it's eight and eight. This season's really about two things for me. It's about finding out if Joe Judge is the right head coach to go forward with. And I don't again, I don't care, you know, it's 0-4. I don't see anything that tells me at this point that Joe Judge was a bad hire. I think that you can go forward with Joe Judge. I think John Mara was right when he hired him. He said, we're just going to have to have patience with this guy. He's 38 years old. We're going to have to have more patience with him than we've had with the last couple of hires, which means that unless he completely loses the locker room like Ben McAdoo did, Joe Judge is your head coach of the Giants for three or four years at least. And, and it's just going to be that way. They're going to go as long as they can. The other part of that equation is finding out if Daniel Jones is the right quarterback. And if you're, you know, if you're in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence, I think you've come to the obvious answer that, that the mistakes we're seeing from Daniel Jones just haven't gotten better. They haven't begun to occur less frequently. I mean, he does a lot of good things with his legs. He throws some good balls. He competes like crazy. And and he shows you enough things to be optimistic. But, but that, for me, is what these next 12 games are about, is they're about finding out if Daniel Jones is the quarterback that you want to go forward with. And if he's not, you, you do something else. And the one thing I just want to throw in for what makes this situation so different than the Jets right now, or Chris, you brought up the Arizona Cardinals, and we all admitted it. If the Giants are at the first overall pick, if they have only two or three wins, Dave Gettleman is not going to be returning as the general manager for the Giants. So if a new general manager comes in, they are not going to owe Daniel Jones anything. They're going to want to structure this team in the vision that they see and also what they want to work with Joe Judge to create. If they're in that spot to draft Trevor Lawrence, they're not going to have any personal connection to Daniel Jones. I, I really don't see a situation where Dave Gettleman returns if they're doing that poorly. And I, I don't even know if, if the Giants are picking in the top five, even if... Um, 
if Dave Gettleman will be coming back. So like that's the the big thing for me is if if Gettleman's not here, that really puts Daniel Jones in a spot where he needs to start thinking in the back of his head now. I need to start improving and playing better. Otherwise, I could be out of a Unless job. Unless Kevin Abrams is the the de facto general manager who's just promoted from within the organization, which is something which, which is something point. that the Giants could possibly do. I mean, we know the Giants are a very uh, they're a very exclusive kind of club when it comes to those kind of things. They would like to hire within house if there are actual candidates to do so. So that's definitely a possibility that the Giants could also uh, pursue if uh, Gettleman retires. Yeah, the Giants front office tree is really just a log. It is <laughs> at the at the risk though of of extending this show a little bit longer than we want to go. I want to throw out a question for Chris and for Nick because I've got you guys here. We've got you guys here, and Uh-oh. and 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 there's something about Daniel Jones that I just want your opinions on. When I talk to Mark Schofield about Jones, and we talk about quarterback play. There are certain things about quarterback play that I think can be learned, and there are certain things about quarterback play that I think are instinctive, that I think you either have or you don't have. And and the thing that worries me about Daniel Jones, that decisiveness, the the awareness sometimes in the pocket, those kinds of things, I worry are things that are instinctive and that he just doesn't have and that you just can't learn. So, I mean, I'm curious I'm curious to hear what you two guys have to say on that particular topic before we uh before we call it a show today. I personally think uh, you can get better at those things and Daniel Jones has struggled with those things for sure the internal clock and the processing part of it especially against zone coverage it seems like He's seen a lot of that early on in this year, but I do believe that it's something that you can get more crisp, that you can refine. And honestly, up until this Rams game, I thought he was doing better than what he did in his rookie season with that specific part of his game. So I do think you can definitely build upon it, but we do need to start seeing more consistency there. But again, I like to always try to remind myself, and when I'm on these podcasts, this is a second-year quarterback in his second system. So there's also that as well that you have to consider. But I think it's something that can definitely be refined. Well, I would say my just rule of thumb for myself is whenever Mark says something about a quarterback, defer to him. Yeah, he was it's good, good. Good course of action right there. Oh, take a stand. <laughs> but usually my stand <laughs> is when talking to Mark, uh, just let him go sit back, sit back and have a margarita. Yeah, that, and that has served me well over the years, especially since I make a good margarita. I was but that's ask. beside the point. <laughs> Using your your time to speak to flex on your hey. your margarita making skills from scratch, right here. <laughs> but I was to say, yeah, I I think you can, as Nick said, I think you can get better at it. But I don't think you can go from being a completely inept, a you know one read one throw quarterback who you know just as soon as you have to go to your second or third read you can see the smoke coming out of your ears that kind of quarterback to Peyton Manning there is a certain level of just super high speed processing seeing the field and really understanding what you are seeing at an almost instinctual level that 
you either have it or you don't. You know, the Russell Wilson, you know, I love watching him play and he just sees the field in a way not too many other quarterbacks do and Seahawks are finally seeing the fruits of that by letting him throw. I am not sure that Jones has that same kind of field vision where he just kind of understands where the 11 players on defense are at all times. We see that with his pocket presence and like Nick said, with zone coverage, you know, it, you can kind of see his process break down when he starts to get beyond read two. And that's kind of the offense he has been in going back to college under David Cutcliffe. That was very much a an RPO, one read, max two read, and run offense. So this is really the first time we are seeing him have to routinely make full field reads. And yeah, I, I'm just not sure how far along that spectrum he is going to be able to develop well i think that's a pretty good note to end on here currently giants as we've discussed throughout oh and four on the season some big question marks that are certainly left unanswered hopefully we can get back and do another update and things are looking a little bit better midway through the season or a little bit further on as the season progresses folks be sure to follow us on social media at big blue view on twitter and instagram and also head to bigblueview.com for more Giants news and analysis.